I'm Mike Mandel, author of the textbook Economics the Basics, and I'm joined here today by Steve Cicchetti and Kim Schoenholz, who are the authors of the textbook Money, Banking, and Financial Markets. What we're going to do is we're going to talk a bit about central bank digital currencies, what they are, why now, what the pluses and minuses are, and why you should care. Okay, so let's actually start with, with Steve with the tough question. What the heck is a central bank digital currency? Well, a central bank digital currency is a currency that's issued by the central bank, but it's purely digital. So imagine what would happen if you took your dollar bills and instead of having dollar bills, you had an electronic wallet on your phone and in the wallet was your money that was issued by the central bank. That would be a central bank digital currency. So it's not it's not physical. It's actually it's bits and bytes on your phone or somewhere else. That's right. That's right. It's the same as your bank account. You know, your bank account is not physical. There isn't somewhere sitting a bunch of stuff to back your checking account. Your checking account is digital and you can go on the website of your bank and you can check to see how much is in it. You'd be able to do the same thing on your phone or on a possibly a website that was run by the central bank. So, so Kim, why, why now? Why should central banks care about having a central bank digital currency? Well, I'm not sure they should. And the, the, the benefits are probably important, but they're, they're not benefits that come only with a central bank digital currency. So, for example, having a faster payment system that's more reliable uh, is something that everybody would benefit from. Households, businesses, um, cross-border transfers. All so, of- I could, so, I could send, so I could send my son uh, money through using the central bank digital currency. That's one of the purposes that's been identified. But again, you could do that without a central bank digital currency. And a lot of firms are trying to do that now. So let's actually go through what the benefits might be. And then we'll discuss what the negatives are. Steve, what are the what are the benefits? Well, as as you just said, one of them is that you'd have a fast and reliable payment system that would allow individuals to transfer funds to each other, it would also allow the government to send you money. So let's say that the government wants to send you money. Maybe they want to send, they wanted to send everybody $1,200 earlier this year. Of course. And And maybe more later. And maybe more later. And so let's say that they want to do that. They want to do that pretty efficiently. They know every, they have an account. Everyone has an account at the central bank. They just credit those accounts. They can worry about how they get the money later, but just in terms of the payments, they can send the money instantly to everyone who uh, who they want to have get it. Uh, now I'm a little bit confused. How is this different from a normal bank account? Or, or to answer a slightly different question, does everybody have one of these wallets? In the broadest design that's been proposed, this is a universal central bank digital currency. So every household, every person, if they want one, uh, every business would have an account at the central bank. And all transactions that were fast and reliable would be taking place between these accounts, much like you could transfer funds from your checking account to another bank. That's really interesting. Steve, did you want to say something? I was going to say, so uh, my bank right now, the bank I use for my normal transactions is the Bank of America. There's no reason I have to use them. If If the Federal Reserve were to offer me an account, I could easily see shifting some of the funds from my Bank of America account to the Federal Reserve because it would be convenient, it would be faster, and it might be safer. 
So that's uh, I, well, I got to tell you that sounds great right now. So, but tell me what the downsides are, Kim. Well, there are two really big downsides. Um, one of them is privacy. Um, if you want the government knowing everything about every transaction that takes place, this is a good way to make sure that happens uh, because they can track. In fact, they will have to track transactions to make sure that they're not promoting criminality. Uh, they have to know their customers just like banks do. The second really big downside is you will have concentrated all the deposits in the, in the system in the central bank. And that means the central bank will effectively be the source of all funding. Uh, and in one version of that, they become a state bank, providing funding to all the businesses, small businesses, big businesses, uh, to capital markets. Um, that would be a degree of concentration of state banking uh, structure that I think would be unattractive in most places. So when someone asked me recently, whether I thought China might be the first country to engage in central bank digital currency provision, the answer is, yeah, because they already have both downsides. Uh, they've lost privacy and they have a huge state banking system. So which countries are actually thinking about central bank digital currencies at this point? So China is thinking about it and they already have been discussing pilot programs. Uh, other countries that are thinking about it are places like Sweden where paper money, paper currency, what we think of as cash has been disappearing um, in favor of electronic transactions, the kinds of transactions that we use. So for instance, if, if you do go to the store now, you may decide to pay with your phone, where what you do is use Apple Pay or Google Pay or one of these other things where you just sort of tap your phone on something. So in, in some countries, those kinds of payment mechanisms have displaced virtually all cash usage. But the problem with this from the social point of view is that not everyone has access to that. So people that are less well off may not have access. And so the problem then turns out to be that less well off people don't have mechanisms for paying for things because they used to use cash. And if cash has disappeared, and if the if the stores don't want to take anything, any cash, which uh, in a place like Sweden, there are signs on storefronts that say no cash, that creates problems. And so the central bank, for instance, the Riksbank, one of the impetuses for them to study this, although they haven't done it yet, is their desire to ensure access to people who are less uh, who are less well off. So this is this is really interesting because what you're saying basically is that. If you have a central bank digital currency, it'll help some people. It might help people who have smartphones but don't have bank accounts, but it won't help people who don't have smartphones. Is that a fair is that a fair statement? That it'll it'll reduce the number of people who are unbanked, but the people who are still unbanked after that will really be in trouble. You might be able to get away with a phone that isn't too smart. <laughs> and it does turn out that the smartphone at least what, what I would think of as a basic smartphone, basic basic smartphone penetration is very, very high, even especially among people who are uh, at the lower end of the income distribution, the well, less well off. And you see this in very poor countries where, where cell phone uh, penetration is like 90% or more um, in places like sub-Saharan Africa, in South Asia, in poorer parts of Latin America. So, so I think that that's, that actually turns out to be much less of a concern 
not having access to the smartphone than losing access to losing access to cash. So let's do our last question, which is the Federal Reserve. Are they going to do this? Uh, I think it's very, very unlikely that they will do this. Um, as we said, the among the other things that this does is it it will require that people give up on certain aspects of privacy, and so I don't think uh, I don't think that they're going to do it. There's a so there, there's the privacy problem. There's the problem that uh, that they'll disintermediate, draw funds out of the private banking system. And there's a there's a third problem for the Federal Reserve since it's so big, and that is that the Federal Reserve could potentially draw funds from other countries into the Federal Reserve because it will be very hard for them to offer central bank digital currency, digital dollars at the Federal Reserve without offering them to people who are non-Americans. And even if they technically don't, there'll be ways around this. So from the point of view of other countries, this risks demonetizing, if you will, those countries. Less stable countries could easily see money flowing into the Federal Reserve. So I think it's extremely unlikely that the Federal Reserve will do this. Instead, they're going to work on making the payment system faster and, uh, and more efficient, not on providing digital currency. Okay, so how about just one, if you had to tell your students one last thing about digital currencies, what would it, central bank digital currencies, what would it be? It, you can imagine that there would be some places on the planet that would be better off with a central bank digital currency. I doubt that's true for most of them. Terrific. This has been terrific, guys. Thanks very much. In this podcast, we described how a central bank digital currency works identified the benefits and downsides of a central bank digital currency, discussed which countries are considering adopting one, described which groups of people would be helped by a central bank digital currency, and finally talked about whether or not the U.S. Federal Reserve is considering such a drastic move. Thanks again for listening.